Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My grandfather, a brave man who served in the special forces during World War II, had a story he always told us. He never lied about it, and it's a story that still sends shivers down my spine. It was the story of that one fateful night in a small German village. They were airdropped into this nondescript hamlet, far behind enemy lines. Their mission was to capture and secure a small barracks for a temporary base. My grandfather and his team of elite soldiers knew the stakes were high, but they had no idea they were about to encounter something beyond their wildest nightmares. It was a dark night, the kind of night where shadows seemed to stretch infinitely. The village was shrouded in silence, and the only sounds were the hushed whispers of the team as they moved stealthily. They secured the barracks, making it their temporary refuge in the enemy territory. But then, the night took a sinister turn. There was something out there, lurking in the shadows. My grandfather's words painted a vivid picture of the unknown predator. He described it as being approximately 8 feet tall, with dark grey fur that had hints of brown. Its mane resembled that of a male lion, though shorter hair covered its body and legs. The chilling part was that it walked upright on its back legs, eerily human-like, but as it drew closer to them, it dropped onto all fours, ready to pounce. 
Panic ensued as the soldiers opened fire, desperate to protect themselves from the creature that had emerged from the darkness. But the beast was relentless. It lunged at one of the soldiers, tackling him to the ground with ferocious power. In the chaos that followed, the creature tore into the unfortunate soldier, his screams of agony piercing the night. The team continued to fire, bullets tearing into the night, but their efforts seemed futile against this relentless predator. It was as though it defied the laws of nature, a nightmarish aberration that should never exist. As the night wore on, and the creature continued its gruesome feast, the team was forced to retreat to the relative safety of the barracks. They huddled together, fear and confusion gripping their hearts, as they tried to make sense of the horrifying encounter. Morning brought no solace, no answers. When they ventured outside, the village was eerily silent, and there was no trace of the creature. The fallen soldiers' remains had vanished, leaving behind only a grisly memory etched in their minds. My grandfather's story of that horrifying night always stuck with me. I was hoping you may be able to help. My research partner and me have a bit of a problem with a dogman at his cabin here in southeast Ohio. We have been researching the Ohio Grassman for about two years together. Well now we have this dogman really becoming a problem. Since January 3rd of this year, this thing has been pissing on his cabin about four feet up in various spots. It has taken a frontal bite out one of his trees, it slashed one of them. It hangs out in the wee hours most nights growling all around his cabin. We have it on video, audio SND trail cam, so we know what we are dealing with. We are just asking for some advice on how to deal with it. This place where his cabin is, is a campground that is primarily closed for the winter. There are a handful of year-round residents, but a total of maybe eight. It is opening up for the season now and we don't want anyone getting hurt. It is more of an upright dog than a wolf. He is getting more aggressive with time. My partner being an ex-army ranger does not scare easily, but this thing finally wore him out to the point he left his cabin and went back to his homestead to regroup. Our thinking at the moment is to try SND take it out. We started on a plan that we think will work, problem being we think there is more than one. The are grassmen all around this area, we have them on audio and photos, but neither is deterring the others. Any advice you have would be greatly appreciated. We don't really want to kill it, but it's getting to that point. We also don't want to draw attention to the area. The last thing we want is s bunch of people running around looking for it. Thanks for your time. My husband, Errol, and I had been married for 32 years. We owned a cottage on Cable Lake and the sister lakes in Dalek Lock, Michigan. Our cottage was a place we cherished, but as the late 1950s rolled in, we noticed significant development in the area. Surprisingly, we found ourselves appreciating the development as it seemed to blend harmoniously with the natural beauty of the lake area. One early Friday evening in mid-July, we made the drive up to our cottage, looking forward to a week-long stay. I stepped out to the backyard, which overlooked the lake, and took in the serene early evening. That's when I noticed something unusual on the far shore of Cable Lake. Errol joined me, and we both spotted an animal on the far shore. Look at that, Errol remarked. I couldn't take my eyes off the creature. We were transfixed, mesmerized. We didn't know what it was. It was clearly wildlife, but due to the distance and the weeds, we couldn't make out its identity, I recalled. Then, it stood up. I shuddered, saying, the thing stared as though it were looking at us. I don't know what was more frightening, seeing that giant animal standing like a man or the fact that it seemed to be looking at us. Errol told the Chicago Sun-Times, I think we were only curious until it took a step into the lake toward us. Then, it was walking into the lake toward us. I got scared and took Sally inside. Inside the house, we discussed what we had seen and what we should do about it. Errol didn't want to involve the sheriff, suspecting it might have been a prank by local teenagers. We decided to go back to our rear porch for drinks to relax. But instead of enjoying the sunset, 
We noticed bubbles trailing toward our beach below. That's when we knew something was terribly wrong. We rushed back inside to call the police, trying to be cautious with our choice of words to avoid sounding paranoid. As the sun set on the lake, Errol recalled me gasping, I knew something was terribly wrong. I was looking out of the beach window. I dropped the phone and ran over and saw it, a large, long-armed creature standing on our beach. It was glistening wet and just staring up at our house. Years later, I affirmed, we ran for the car. Errol backed out, and that thing was already standing behind us. We drove away, but something was wrong with the car. There was a loud bang and a scrape, but we kept driving. I later asserted, that thing was some kind of supernatural being. We made the difficult decision to sell our cherished cottage and never returned. At first, our neighbors reported loud noises, but when questioned further, we chose not to discuss the matter. It wasn't until 1972, after Errol and I had retired to Florida, that we confided in a former neighbor who still maintained a property in the area. This revelation was later confirmed by Sheldon Stein, who was doing research on a vacation home circular for Chicago residents. I'm not a creepy person. I don't have a creepy life. I've never had a scary story to tell, none that were true, up until now. And I'm not trying to be dramatic with that, I'm scared, but nothing significant has happened to be honest with you. I'm posting this here because I know you guys are the only ones who would a listen. And b actually give me advice. I live in a rural area. The only house even close to me is roughly 2 miles away. The next being 10 plus. I have no family really. I do have a girlfriend, she stays for a few days here and there. Enough backstory. Every now and again I will go outside, behind my house, in the woods, and just walk. I'll sometimes find old things, old Coca-Cola bottles, old roller skates, even half a toilet once. It's just interesting. I'll do it usually in the mornings that I'm off of work. Recently my girlfriend was over. It was nearing night and we got into a little argument about something I won't go into here, I ended up deciding I was going to just walk away so it wouldn't escalate. So I do what I do, and go out back. I walk for nearly a mile when it hits me, shit the sun went down fast. I decide to start making my way back and then it starts. This sound. This god awful, horrifying sound. I don't get scared easily living out here, you hear a lot at night. There have been black bears in my yard. But this, this is something else, it sounded like an old man was choking, and screaming for help in a different language. I know that might sound boring but once you hear it. It's terrible. I stop in my tracks and wedge myself into a nearly hollow dying tree's trunk. While doing so I also screamed, hey. Who's there? Y'all right? I'm scared shitless but if it is someone I don't want to say I didn't try. I guess? I don't hear it now. It's completely dark at this point so I try to think about what it could be and how I'm getting home as the sound had came from the direction of my house. I wait for probably 30 minutes in that tree. I decide f this, I'm a man and I have to get home. Then that movie-like moment happens when I step out of the tree and immediately hear it again, this time louder, but in the opposite direction. Had it passed me without my knowing? Or was there another? I had no clue but I'm not leaving this tree. I hear it several more times over the course of 30 plus minutes. I'm ashamed as a 27 year old man that I stayed the night in the woods in the tree until morning. I never really slept but I wasn't necessarily awake if you know what I mean. On the border between the two the whole time, every time I thought I heard something it would jolt me awake then I would slowly drift off again. And so on. The sun began to rise and I decided to stay awake at this point. I was wide awake for nearly an hour before I decided to make a run for my house. I get home, burst in the back door, and cue the girlfriend where the F were you? I was worried and you just left in our fight? Answer me, I deserved all of that and more. 
I waited a second before telling her that I went for a walk to blow off some steam and just decided to sleep in the barn in the woods about a mile and a half behind the house. She bought it. But I was still scared. Night came again, my girlfriend decided to spend another night because she didn't feel right leaving the day after a fight. I was so happy. She's an early sleeper, when 9 came around she had enough of being awake and decided to head to bed telling me she'd wake me in the morning before she left. I usually don't go to bed until around 12 to 1 AM. I sit watching TV for about an hour, then I grabbed my dad's old shotgun. I don't hunt, but I keep it for safety, I put on a headlamp. Put a box of bullets, water, a lighter, and a flashlight in my bag, and went out back. I walked to the same tree, got in, it is large enough to sit Indian style in, just the entrance is small, and waited. I waited for two plus hours. It's here. I hear that sound again. And again. And now in harmony. There had to be at least four. I clenched the gun, it was loaded and I was ready to see what the hell this was. But read it, I forgot that I'm a wuss. I sat there waiting like a coward, this time however I noticed none of the sounds were coming from the direction of my house. So before they started coming from that direction, I tucked my tail between my legs and jogged home. Trying not to be too loud. I got home and googled everything I could think of. Animals that sound like men, old man sound from woods, animals known to my area, and kept going in this pattern and I kept clicking on everything. Then a website with audio files came my way. I clicked play on one of the files and my heart stopped. It was the sound. The exact sound. It was uncanny. I looked at the title of the auto and it was titled Samurai Chatter. I looked up the exact phrase and I'm not saying I believe in Sasquatch but that's all that came up. That it was supposedly their language? I don't know what it is. But I have heard it. I'm not stopping here, I have a cousin coming over this weekend who's agreed to hike out there with me and look for it, my girlfriend knows nothing of it. Wish me luck. While you're at it, Google Samurai Chatter. Fitch Camp was a fun year and activity for the students of Dow, a guy at school system. The students would get a break from traditional classes to partake in a more outdoor environment. Parents and students alike enjoyed the Fitch Camp experience, as it was a fun way for the kids to participate together. Situated amongst the unique southwest Michigan geography of the Sister Lakes, the children were able to engage in a serene environment. After some outdoor races, a group of kids went to the makeshift archery range. After the exercise, the students were supposed to go directly to the diner at the mess hall. However, two of the girls, Denise McCormack and Janine Fisher, went to retrieve an arrow which had gone astray. Approximately one half hour later, Denise and Janine showed up late to dinner and sat with their friends, Rhonda Burdick and Stacy Ashley. It was during that dinner that Denise and Janine confessed to their friends that while looking for the arrow, they saw a huge, stinky, hairy man staring at them. They told their friends that it was really big and just stared at them, so they ran. The story quickly spread, and by the time they went to bed that night, Everybody was laughing at them. That changed when the cabin in which these same girls were staying was suddenly attacked. Stacy Ashley stated that something began smashing the side of the cabin. I thought it was going to smash the wall in, she added. We were all screaming, and Janine was thrown onto a bed. The camp counselor was not present and was later thought to be the one smashing the side of the cabin, attempting to frame the girls. However, the next morning, after washing away what she thought were fake footprints from the mud leading up to the side of the cabin, Susan Howell remarked that she was shocked to notice the side of the cabin had scratches along the foundation. She immediately wished she had not washed away the footprints. She took Polaroid pictures of the cabin but was told by another camp director that they did not prove anything. However, some 50 years later, all the girls involved in the incident still stand by the sighting and the attack. My girlfriend and I were driving down a remote, country road, 
In the early summertime, late one evening. She was the one driving. I was in the passenger seat. The sun was setting behind us. We had just come around a curve, when two does jumped out onto the road in front of us. They acted like we weren't even there. They seemed to be focused on something else. So she jammed on the brakes and brought the car to a stop. I told her, man. That was close. That's when I looked up into the rearview mirror, to see if any more deer were coming. When I did that, in the red glow of the car's taillights, I saw something take a big step into the road, from the brush that was on the side of the road. Whatever it was, landed on its right leg, when it did that. Looking at it in the rearview mirror, I could see it from its mid-thigh, up to its stomach. In one motion, it then took another step forward and put what looked to be a hand down, on the trunk of the car, to apparently balance itself. When I saw that, I turned to look at my girlfriend. She was wide-eyed, her mouth was wide open, and she was white as a ghost. I could also see that her eyes were tearing up. So, I looked back, but by that time, it had already gone across the road. In an attempt to get a better look at this thing, I opened my door and got out of the car. When I looked, I could see that it was going down the embankment that was on the side of the road. Because of the brush, I could only see it from the armpits up. It was at least seven feet tall and had very wide shoulders. Its shoulders were at least one time as wide as my shoulders, and I've got wide shoulders for a guy. From the last bit of daylight left, I could see that it was black or dark brown in color and had pointed ears on top of its head, like a dog. Its ears weren't overly wide, or fuzzy. Its head was kind of dome-shaped, more or less, with flat sides. It acted like we weren't even there and seemed to remain focused on the deer. I was thinking, what in the world is this thing? It looked like some kind of werewolf or wolfman to me. It was way too big to be a person. Through that whole ordeal, I never did get a chance to see its face. In the area where we saw that thing, people have reported being paced in their vehicles, going down the road, by creatures that look like what we saw. In Colorado there is a monument which is called Rock Park, and the whole town, Castle Rock, is named after it. It is basically a big hill with a huge boulder sitting on top. The rock itself is probably 50 feet tall at its peak, and there are signs all over telling people not to climb on it. Me, my sister, and two of my sister's friends were climbing it at about 11 at night last summer. We got to the top and there was a guy sitting by a rock on speaker with what we thought was a friend. He also had what looked like a dog sitting on top of the rock, but as we got closer it was actually a person slumped over the rock and their checkered belt had made it look like it was a collar, giving us the impression of a dog. As we got closer we realized the man was on the phone with 911 and the dispatcher was saying stuff like what does their breathing sound like. Seeing as it was around 11 at this point, we were the only other ones up there with them. We wait around and get a good look at what happened and lend some supplies like a flashlight and some water. From what we could piece together, the girl was on a first date with this guy, and tried to climb the rock. She got about 35 feet up when she fell and hit two or three times on the way down. Her head was caked in blood, and so was the dirt all around her. We waited for over an hour for EMS to get to her, and they had to take her down in a stretcher into a helicopter that landed in a school field to airlift her to the hospital. Last we heard, she had many broken bones, lots of shattered ribs, and a really bad concussion, but she lived. That night really shook me for a while because I honestly thought she was going to die. A few years ago a group of my friends were jogging alone this forest and halfway through the trail we can across this kid who was about 16 years old and was completely off the trail and was soaking wet and at like 11 pm at night. So you know we asked him if he was okay and if he was hurt and he said that he and his friends were on a bike ride and then they decided to smoke so shrooms. So then when they were heading back after about one half of being high they decided to head home and it was getting pretty dark. 
So then these kids saw my group's headlights and thought that it was park security so they just started running and while running they got separated and the kid we found had given up because he fell into a river while running and almost drowned. But anyway we got him back to the front of the park and he said he would be fine so we just left and continued on with our night. Myself and a few others were camped at a spot called Ray Lakes in California. We, being reasonable persons, do not hike at night, but we were sat by our campfire watching a night hiker's headlamp come steadily down and down and down along switchbacks which awaited us the next day. Our concerns were, why the F would a person with a tent on their back willingly hike at night? And that we had caught six fish when the limit was five. Once the stranger reached our camp it turned out he ran with a crew that saw the Sierra Club as right wing. He was interested in killing all the trout in the high Sierra lakes so that a natural stasis of loud ass frogs and mosquitoes, of which there are entirely too many in my opinion, could regain dominance over the land. This March I went hiking or camping with some friends and there was one guy who's never been before. We decide to set up camp once the sun had gone down and we got tired. New guy comments on how it's weird that there's so much dew on the ground when it hasn't rained. When our headlamps hit the ground, sure enough, there's millions of tiny glowing dots of reflection covering almost every inch of the ground, like morning dew. I point out the dew is glowing red, and tell him to look closer. He learned three things that night. He learned why we use camp hammocks instead of traditional tents, he learned that wolf spider eyes glow red when hit with bright light, and most importantly, he learned that he doesn't like being in the woods at night. When I was 15 or 16, I lived in a very rural area. I'm talking wooded areas right in my backyard, complete with all the flora and fauna that goes with them. I loved to go out back and walk the paths in the forest right after the sun went down, but right before it got too dark. I would always take large sticks with me, hinking sticks, as the wildlife there could be dangerous. I would also take my dog sometimes. I lived in a place with a few neighbors who had a lot of land, mostly so their wildlife could graze, so, besides the few times my neighbors went out to get cattle or other stuff, we were pretty much left alone. That day, I had my dog and one of my favorite sticks with me. Yes, I had favorite hiking sticks don't judge, it was getting late, but I didn't want to go inside despite the rapidly darkening sky. I decided I would take the long way out of the forest, so I steered my dog onto a trail that I only took when I wanted to go right by the river. It went by the bank, and then straight into a thick set of brush, a thicket, where deer loved to rets and graze. I wasn't afraid of deer, they usually left us alone, and seemed to dislike my dog, so I didn't think anything was off when I felt like I was being watched. Just animals being animals. But as I advanced into the thicket, my dog began to growl low in her throat, and I began to freak out I have panic attacks a lot especially in very tense situations. Now, with growing fear and the feeling that something was off, I urged my dog to run. She did. I went straight after her, running faster than I ever have before. I don't exactly remember what happened, but I remember that I tripped and fell close to the edge of the thicket. I looked up and saw something I will never forget. In the shadows of the thicket, something was staring at me with bright yellow eyes. It looked like the shadow of a man, but I don't know what it was. It seemed a bit off. I can't recall its exact features, but when I saw it, a feeling of terror so horrible and intense engulfed me a feeling that gave me two options. Run, or cower. There was not fight I knew I could not win. I was going to cower. I was not going to move. But, my dog had other plans. She dragged me dragged me right out of that thicket and onto my feet I have never ran so fast in my life. It was a primal instinct, one I could not obey. I didn't go into the forest for a month after that. Even then, I was never fully comfortable. I never told anyone about my encounter only a few close friends who scoff at me. But, 
I swear that night I saw something. I don't know what. But I do know that I saw it. And, although I have had few nightmares featuring it, I believe it is the most terrifying experience I have ever had. Something's out here with us. Last weekend one of my friends brought up the idea of camping. At first I was opposed to it as it's fall and cold outside and the idea of having to sleep in a tent with another person just didn't seem appealing. But when all five of us talked about it I realized that maybe it wasn't such a bad idea after all. We decided to do it next weekend, aka now. This morning we went out and bought everything we needed, tents, snakes, a lighter and a couple of more things that don't need mentioning. We decided it would be best to do it in the woods two hours away from any road or houses. I was particularly upset about that as anything could happen from some random person attacking us to a bear sneaking in our tents. But we'd have our car parked on the nearest road so if anything did happen we could just run to it, at least that's what some others said. I brought up the fact it's a two hour walk but of course I was ignored. We drove as far as we could before we got out to start walking, I noticed a few things. First of all, no sound of wildlife. No crickets no birds no nothing making sound. And it felt odd, like something was slightly off. I chalked it up to my nerves acting up, and ignored it. Where should we set the rents up at? Rob asked, taking a puff of his joint. Right over there looks good, Nate replied, motioning for Rob to pass it to him who's setting it up. After a little conversation we decided Dan and Murphy could do it while the rest of us goes out to see if we can find any squirrels to hunt. I doubted it, it didn't exactly seem like this place was crawling with wildlife. Grab my riffle would ya? I grabbed it and threw it at him, don't worry it wasn't loaded yet, he catches it saying a quick, thanks and off we went. We were out for hours looking to no avail, there was absolutely nothing. I didn't even see any bugs. Maybe we should go on back now we can eat the stuff we brought, I suggested, Rob and Nate stopped walking to which I assumed meant they agreed, we turned back around and started walking back towards camp. A couple of minutes of walking I heard a sound, it was quiet but we all heard it. We stopped walking to look around, behind us there was a deer. Except. It wasn't normal, its horns were growing out of its mouth and it had five legs. I had never seen anything like it before, but I've heard of it. Deformed deers, I wasn't too worried. We decided not to kill it because we definitely weren't about to eat it, being too worried about catching some type of disease. I wondered though, how long has that deer been following us? Being so silent that we hadn't even noticed it? We made it back to camp about an hour later, we ended up eating some cans of chili we brought with us. We cooked it over the fire we made. The five of us were sharing tents, two in one and three in another. I was sharing with Nate, Robert, Murphy, and Dan were in the other. We stayed up for a few more hours singing songs and drinking beer before we headed off to bed. I fell asleep about an hour after laying down. Click 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 click. I woke up to a clicking noise, it took me a second to register what was happening. I assumed it was one of the guys doing something, but just in case I grabbed my gun and unzipped the tent. I froze. The deer from before was standing outside my tent, its mouth moving weirdly. Its teeth were clicking against each other every few seconds from the weird movement. It followed us all the way back? How did we not notice? I zipped the tent back and tried to ignore it, needless to say I got no sleep that night. The next morning all six of us decided to stay one more thing before packing up to leave. It was weird I felt like something was messing with my mind, that my brain wasn't working correctly. I was scared I just didn't know what of. Me, Dan, Nate, Robert, Murphy, and... Wait, and? What was I talking about? There was only... Five, no, six of us. Wait six? Never mind it's not important. I spend all evening wondering what was wrong with my mind, I could tell the others felt the same way. That night all six of us went to sleep, three in one and three in another. I was with Nate and... Someone. Something felt wrong but I just couldn't put my foot on it.
That night I woke up to the same clicking noise as last night, this time from inside the tent. I was too scared to move, had the deer somehow made it into the tent? However, I felt Nate shift to get up. What? I heard him say before he went silent cutting off whatever he was about to say. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. What the hell? I heard him say, again, slightly louder this time. I felt something move on my left side which was strange because Nate was on my right side. Oh oh shit. I heard before I felt someone, leap over me onto Nate. I woke up the next morning, panting. Was it all a dream? I wondered. All five of us packed up to leave, something still felt wrong. No. One of us felt wrong. Nate was off, he talked the same and acted the same but it was the way he looked. Have you ever heard of Uncanny Valley? Like that, I know something was off but I just couldn't put my finger on it. I ignored it. And with that all five of us walked to the car, got in and took off. I couldn't help but feel like I made a mistake, like I was about to unleash something unholy into the town we live in, like I did something bad. When I was about 15 I was hitchhiking along the Hewan Highway in Tasmania and a cabbie stopped asked if I needed a ride, no problem right? Wrong. He wanted to pay me $300 for sex. I was a kid looking for a ride because my aunt had an emergency at work and couldn't pick me up from soccer. He forced himself on me about 15 minutes drive from my aunt's, where I was living, humped my ass crack pushed me out his car and literally threw $40 in $5 notes at me, left me shaking, confused and alone just after dark, barely dressed and scared out of my brain. Needless to say, I don't trust cab drivers who pull up to offer rides anymore. If I didn't call you, you could F right off. Also, this was late 90s very early 2000s, I remember some houses still had Christmas lights up, and I have read some absolute horror stories about weird Uber drivers, suffice to say I got off lucky as F. No forced penetration, no beaten to a pulp, no being robbed of my last dollar, just a ruined dress, and a horrible memory. Edit it was midnight, ish, at the latest 1am. I was alone and in my soccer jersey which clearly stated Hobart Juniors on the front and back. Edit 2, Grammar and Spelling. I was out camping by a lake with around 20 people during a summer camp program. We had just finished cleaning up after dinner and it was getting late so people started going to the bathrooms that were about one quarter of a mile away from our campsite. After I had finished cleaning, I decided to go to my tent to read without being eaten alive by mosquitoes but I didn't realize how late it had gotten until one of the counselors asked me if I still wanted to shower before going to sleep. She offered to walk with me and wait by the door but I turned down the offer and went on my own, I wanted to be quick, and I thought they would slow me down. The walk over there was perfectly fine, in fact it was very peaceful, but when I was almost done with my shower, I began to faintly smell something that was like a mixture between cigarette smoke, piss, and a rotten carcass. 
When I had gotten dressed and gathered all my things I exited the bathroom and as soon as I opened the door the smell got so bad that my eyes started to water and I almost puked. I looked to my right and nearly screamed when I saw an old man standing just two feet away from me. He was definitely the source of the smell. It looked like he had rolled in the dirt and his eyes looked dull and slightly cloudy. I said hello and asked if he needed any help, but he didn't respond. He just kept staring at me with unblinking eyes, I repeated my question slightly louder in case he couldn't hear well, but I still got no response. The hairs on my neck were on end and my mind was screaming at me to get away from him as fast as possible, but I felt completely frozen and all I could do was stare back at him. After a few seconds I was able to get control of myself and I started to slowly back away from him. When I was a few feet away I turned around and started to quickly walk back to camp. I looked over my shoulder and saw him walking after me but when I started jogging he turned around and walked off in the opposite direction. When I got back to camp I went straight into my tent and sat in fear almost all night. I never saw the man again, and I really hope it stays that way. Beamy standing watch late on a moon-filled night as the ship eases through the ocean thousands of miles from anywhere, on some BS op or other. See two other dudes, also standing watch but standing around, the three of us talking about whatever. Look up and see a smoky contrail easing through the sky. Think NBD planes do that all the time. Point it out to the other dude so the one dude can report it in a prompt military manner. Keep watching the contrail as it stops, like literally stops in the sky. Defuke, planes don't do that. MFW contrail starts retracting along its original path at the same speed as the approach, until it completely disappears. Be one of three dudes that shares looks and agrees we can never mention that shit because no one will ever believe us. Walking my dog one morning I noticed strange footprints on the side of the dirt, I look back jokingly as if I felt something watching me. Nothing so I keep walking, about 5 minutes later I turn to my side because I felt something watching me again. Again nothing another 3 minutes go by and I glance to my left and there's something climbing down a tree I shrug it off but then I hear a deafening scream as that of a windigo or skinwalker. I start sprinting back to my house whilst it was chasing me I made it back just in time while my dog was barking up a flame I rush him inside and I notice a windigo standing outside. Holding a body much like a bird, I remember windigos are scared of fire so I started to make one in my fireplace. I kept it going all day. My dad is a seafaring tugboat captain. My favorite story he's told me, and there are so many, is when he was in the Arctic close to the North Pole. Due to the curve of the Earth and reflection off the atmosphere, he could see, clear as day, a coastal town in Russia that was hundreds of miles away. More strange than creepy, but here you go. We were fishing on the St. Lawrence River once, we had rented a houseboat and were cruising up and down the river, pulling in pike and having a nice time of it. It was in the middle of the day hot, humid and still. My father and I were both on the bow, just trolling and chatting. Suddenly, my toes felt. Funny. They felt swollen and itchy, and then an intense burning itch suddenly came over them, only my toes, mind you. Suddenly, I started bleeding from the cuticles of both my big toes. Not a heavy flow, more like an oozing of blood that lasted all of about 5 seconds. It stopped as suddenly as it started, and I felt completely fine afterward. But here's the weird part I turned to tell my father, and he too had blood oozing from the cuticles of his big toes, too. We compared notes, and had both experienced the same weird sensation, at the same time, and it went away as suddenly as it came for both of us. Same place, same time same duration. It never happened before, and never since. I once asked my doctor about it and he just shrugged it off, so may.
ex-Canadian Navy, ex-commercial fisherman, now a sea kayaking guide. I have to tell this story here. We were fishing on a salmon troller off the west coast of Vancouver Island, off of Nitnot Bar the area is known for thick fog. The radar broke down and the skipper fearing a collision with another fishing boat sent me up the mast to keep a lookout. Once up I could see above the fog easily, yet could not even see my feet. All was going well I could see the tall tree on shore and other boats masts and with me calling down turns by degrees of helm we were able to continue fishing. The fog however did not burn off but got thicker and thicker until the guys on deck could not see to work at all. The skipper decided to run back to port and try fix the radar, since no one was going be able to fish this opening we were pretty sure to get another next day. So we turned out to seaward with the plan of just heading south outside the other boats then turning back in until I could see the tree again and watch for the lighthouse at Port Renfrew. We made the turn out and then we just kept going. I kept yelling down but no one answered. I could not see what was going on below me, or see well enough to attempt to climb down into the fog. And when I tried I began to choke on it. After only about 20 to 30 minutes of heading seaward we cleared the sea fog near the coast enough that I was able to see well enough to climb down. The whole crew was collapsed on deck at the bottom of the mast, it appeared they had all tried to climb up but had been fighting each other. The coroner later ruled the cause of death as drowning, the fog took all of my shipmates. I am the sole survivor of the Ocean Fury tragedy. Edit. This is a story I tell often now as a sea kayaking guide when people ask me why I quit fishing. I was a Baltimore Police Department detective and, at the time, in early 2021, I worked directly out of the Northern District in the city. On the night in question, I was in my office at home late at night in suburban Howard County, Maryland. I live alone. I often would find myself unable to sleep at night, so I would head to my office to work. That particular night I was going through a case file that I was working on. Then I heard a noise that was unusual. It was just different enough from anything I was used to hearing around the house that it caught my attention, not to mention it was around 2 o'clock in the morning. It sounded like something heavy was hitting the ground. It was coming from the yard behind the house. I stood up and I cocked my head to the side to try and pinpoint the exact location. But as I listened closer I realized that it sounded like it might actually be much closer to the house, like right outside the kitchen in the back. I stepped away from my desk and I moved towards my office door. My office was just down the hall from the kitchen. So I opened the door slowly and stepped out to investigate, but first I listened again to be sure I was correct on the direction it was coming from. Sure enough, I heard it again from the area outside the kitchen. I started to make my way down the hallway and as I got closer the noise got louder. I reached the kitchen and I looked toward the door. The noise had gone silent, almost like whatever was making the noise knew I was listening to it. I slowly and very quietly opened the door to the outside. When I did I was shocked at what I was looking at. Standing on the patio, moving around and making the noise was a creature, unlike anything I had ever seen before. It was about 7 feet tall and totally covered in black and reddish-brown fur. It had a long snout with teeth protruding at odd angles. The creature turned towards me when the door opened, almost like it instinctively knew I was there. I was totally quiet when I opened the door. The creature quickly focused on me and lunged toward me hissing. I quickly stepped back inside and shut the door. I had to think fast and determine a suitable plan of action. I decided to head back to my office where I hoped to watch it undetected from my office window. I proceeded to look through the window but it wasn't long before I heard the sounds of the creature breaking into the house through the kitchen door. I pulled out my gun and I aimed it down the hallway. As I slowly opened the office door. I could hear, but not see, the creature in the kitchen. I listened as it was moving around with a lot of force and stepping heavily on the wood floor. I could also hear it snorting as it moved about. It sounded like something out of a horror film. I thought that if I just stayed quiet it might just leave, which would have been the optimal outcome. 
I listened to it for a while while it moved in the kitchen, but then I heard it go into the dining room. I could hear glass breaking and furniture being shoved around. It seemed to be very angry. I finally opened my office door all the way and stepped out completely into the hallway. I slowly walked towards the dining room with my gun still raised. As soon as I got close I peeked my head around the corner. It turned its head towards me and instantly started to growl. It had an angry look on its face, with a human-like expression. I sensed that it wanted to tear me apart right there. But instead of rushing and attacking me, it suddenly went silent again. It quickly rushed back to the kitchen and hurled itself out through the back door. I didn't know what to think at that point. On one hand, I was relieved that it had left, but at the same time, I somehow felt concerned that it may return at some point. I decided then and there that I would find out more about this creature. My confusion and fear turned into anger. I wanted to know who or what this thing was and why it had come into my house. I've done a lot of research, mainly online. But it's been difficult to find anything that really matched what happened. I wondered why it came into the house and what it was looking for. The other descriptions online were generally similar. It was bipedal, with pointed ears, large yellow-tinged eyes, and canine-like teeth. It also had a very pungent sulfur-like odor that I can still smell in my memory. My research led to your blog, and my contacting you. I have many questions and would like to talk. I still live in the same house, but I currently work for another local law enforcement department. I have not seen the creature since that night, but I instinctively know that it still roams in my area. I wish to remain completely anonymous and discreet about my encounter. I'm 67 years old and all my occurrences have happened in the Wayne National Forest in Southeast Ohio. I've been roared at, growled at, and whistled at. I've heard strange voices and sounds of children playing all while bow hunting deer in the fall and turkey hunting in the spring. In the early 1990s, I and my friend Pat were scouting for deer. I was walking down a forest road and he was off to my right across a large strip mine pond and up on a small ridge. As I came to a large game crossing something let out a very loud roar between us. It was so loud that it shook me to my core. I yelled, Pat! Was that you? I knew that there was no way that he could have done that. I ran back to camp. Sucking air a few minutes later, Pat came running into camp out of breath and asked me if I had made that sound. We discussed what it could have been. Pat said that he has heard elk make strange noises while hunting in Wyoming but not like that. So there's no other explanation other than Bigfoot. That sound never deterred us from hunting there and we still hunt there today. Quite a few times I've been whistled at, both bow hunting and turkey hunting. I always hang my tree stand in the same tree year after year. I have heard very strange voices like people talking really fast and children playing. One minute they're there, turn my head, look back and they're gone. This has happened a few times. I've been growled at so many times that I've earned the nickname of Growler. I never really got concerned about it until once I was deer hunting with a crossbow. I was sitting against a tree in a small thicket watching over a large group of white oaks. Something began growling behind me. At first, it was a low growl. It eventually turned into a loud guttural growl. That's the only time I ever got concerned enough to head back to camp with plenty of daylight left. About five years ago I was turkey hunting and decided to go back to camp for a hot cup of coffee. Walking down an old gas line road I came around a bend and about 50 yards ahead of me was what I thought was another hunter. He was around 5 feet tall and dressed in grey. As we looked at each other he bent over, threw his arms back, and leapt across the road into the brush. The road was 10 to 12 feet wide the figure was not heavily muscled like so many people describe. So it took me a few minutes of arguing with myself to finally decide that it was a juvenile Bigfoot, Grassman, or Sasquatch. I still get wire-haired every time I think about it. While turkey hunting in the spring of 2021 the birds had all flown down and I was thinking about which gobbler to go after. Behind me, I heard a very loud baritone voice say, Hey! 
Yeah, it scared the crap out of me. I had time to dust myself off before coming down. I thought it must have been another hunter letting me know that he was there, but it was so loud. I looked around. There's nobody there. Here's a story that my 91-year-old mother has told for years. When she was a young girl back in the 1940s in southern Ohio she and some friends went to steal apples from a neighbor's apple tree that was up a large hill behind the neighbor's house. When they got to the tree a black figure jumped out of the tree and ran away on two legs. They all ran back to the house and told the adults what they saw. They were told there was probably a black bear. The term Bigfoot wasn't known at that time. One day at my mom's house I turned the TV on to a Bigfoot program and my mom said that's exactly what we saw. We were inbound for the San Francisco pilot station one evening on a container vessel. Sitting there chatting on the bridge wing, and the Golden Gate Bridge appears ahead. Wait, we are still 50 miles from the bridge. But there it was, clear as day in front of us. Figured it was some sort of funky atmospheric refraction going on after a quick check of the radars and a plot on the chart. So back to the bridge wing to watch the sun go down. Beautiful sunset, calm night, weather is awesome. So the sun sets, and we sit there talking for a few minutes, when all of a sudden the sun pops back into the sky. Not the slow rise from east, but it's just back in the sky, about 5 degrees above the horizon. What the F? We stand there in disbelief, and watch the second sunset of the night. Once, I was out somewhere in the South Pacific. It was calm and sunny where we were, but there were large storms past the horizon on pretty much all sides. In this calm sea, we saw a wooden raft floating. It looked handmade, there was a snapped mast, and an open cooler tied to it. No passenger. Old friend of mine was a deep sea diver or welder and I asked him this same question once. He told me once about a job he was on, repairing a ship or oil rig and something swam behind him, that was very large. Like a whale? I asked. Oh no. I mean really large. I was working and couldn't turn around, which was the tough part. I just know it was like a train was rolling behind me, and I was wondering when it would end, huge what do you think it was? Don't know, but I'll tell you, scientists know of about half the shit down there. It might as well be outer space. On the way back from Antarctica. We were somewhere between the 40th and 50th parallel. To go outside you pass through a storm door then enter a small room with a door to the outside. The door to outside is quite heavy, so when you're in a storm rolling 15 to 20 degrees side to side you open it when the door faces down so it swings open. As I was taking out the trash from the engine room that morning I performed that move but the ship didn't stop at 20 degrees. Watching the handrail submerge under the water, and continue to fill the storm room as I attempted to close the watertight door I realize if I had been out there earlier I would have been swept off deck and into the Antarctic waters. I do landscaping work in the area of Gladwin. The properties there are very large with lots of space between big houses. It is mostly a vast wooded area. My fellow worker and I had finished eating lunch on the front steps of the house and I went back down to the street, Country Club Lane, to put our leftovers into the car. I saw a strange dinosaur or bird-like creature flying above. At first, it was silhouetted against the sky but I clearly saw a long skinny tail that ended in an outcropping. Silhouetted as it was, I described this outcropping, at the time, as a knob or bulbous shape at the end of the tail. The tail trailed behind the creature as it flew. It then was obscured by some trees but I continued to watch its projected path. It was pretty much traveling in a straight line. It re-emerged on the other side of the trees and I again saw the long tail with the knob on the end. Then, at one point, 
It caught the light in such a way that it was no longer silhouetted. The sun must have come out from some clouds. As it traveled away to my left I saw its dorsal side. It was a somewhat tan or golden color, and, because it was such a uniform color, it appeared not necessarily to have feathers but possibly just skin or maybe very small scales. I told Stephen, my co-worker, that I thought I saw a pterodactyl. At the time I didn't know the difference between a pterodactyl and other pterosaurs. I found out later that pterodactyls don't have tails like what I saw. When I described the tail to Stephen, he said, you mean something like a lion's tail. I realized that he described it very well with those words. The next night I did a search on the computer for birds that look like pterodactyls. I found out then that the pterodactyl doesn't have a long tail like the creature I saw. I found four flying reptile dinosaurs, or pterosaurs, all of which look surprisingly like what I saw. They are described as being in about the same size range, too. I would guess the wingspan was about four feet but I can only guess at that since, when something is up in the sky, it's hard to reference it to other objects. The four pterosaurs that resemble the creature I saw are the Rampharynchus, Eudemorphodon, Scaphognathus and the Dimorphodon. The last of these is only speculated to have the knob at the end of the tail although no fossils have actually been found with it. The other three are known to have the outcropping. The outcropping, in any of these, is actually a diamond-shaped flap called a vein. I found that there have been many sightings of possible pterosaurs. Some people describe them as a large bat-like creature, not everyone mentions a long tail, the actual pterodactyl, again, did not have a long tail. The pterosaurs that I named, and the ones that have been sighted by others, are bat-like in that they don't have feathers and they have hands at the bend of the wing. They are not bat-like in that they do not flap their wings quickly but have more of a gliding motion to their flight, like my creature. I have to be honest in saying that I did not see hands or fingers but there was so much for me to observe in a fairly short amount of time that I mostly noticed the tail. The shape of the head also escapes me now if I should have to describe it. My very first impression, the moment I spotted it, was not so much that it was a bat or bird but rather a bird-like dinosaur. I feel so strongly about what I have seen that I sense that I should report it to somebody, somewhere. I am glad that I have been able to put this in writing while the incident is still fresh. I am happy to have this information shared with anyone. If someone has another explanation, other than that I saw a pterosaur, I will gladly listen. If there is a large bird in the Gladwin area with a tail like that, etc., I will consider myself informed and not argue. So far, my research doesn't indicate that, but I'm not a bird expert, etc. I was at my friend's house by the river looking off towards the east enjoying a cigar by a small bonfire we had started in his backyard. It was a really clear, warm night, and being out in the country a bit there was not much light pollution so you could really see the stars. Around 9pm I noticed what appeared to be a fireball with a tail in the sky however this was no ordinary fireball, comet, or meteor. This fireball seemed alive. It was bright green in color and was moving in an erratic pattern, it did a few loops and hopped, heading from the north, we have a nuclear plant on the lake and that seemed to be where it was coming from, to the south before disappearing in the tree line across the river. The sighting only lasted about 10 seconds. I sat there in awe for about 5 minutes, my friend was inside and had missed it but he saw the look on my face, and when I told him what I saw he believed it. I thought that would be the end of it however little did I know I would get a much closer encounter. Fast forward about two weeks, and once again it was nighttime. I was at my parents' house about a mile and a half away from my friend's house where I had the sighting. It was once again nighttime, I was in bed and it had to be about 4 or 5 in the morning. I felt or saw a green flash of light through my closed eyelids, Almost like someone had taken a bright flashlight put a green filter on it and was shining it directly into my eyelids. I tried to open my eyes but it felt like they were glued shut, I also felt pressure on all of my limbs as if I was being held down by some sort of force. 
After a few seconds of panic, my eyes finally opened to my dimly moonlit room and I wished they hadn't. I was on my twin-sized mattress which was on my bedroom floor, my bedroom is about 10 by 12, and these beings were there. I thought I was dreaming so I blinked a few times and was able to tilt my head a little to the left and right. The beings were still there. These beings were grey in appearance and were short little things probably knee-high at most. They did not appear to be wearing clothes, they were just light grey and had very smooth skin. They had large black eyes, thin limbs, were bald, and had oversized heads with small pot bellies. All of them seemed to be hunched over in appearance and were all identical. Their faces showed no menace, they were more or less vacantly staring at me while occasionally looking at one another seemingly non-verbally communicating back and forth. There was one on each of my limbs, one holding my head, one standing by my door seemingly as a lookout, one standing bedside to my right, and one in front of the closet off to the right for a total of eight. I tried to move, to struggle, anything but it was as if their hands had a numbing effect on my body. My brain said, fight, struggle, do something. However, despite my best efforts I could do nothing but lay there at their mercy. It seems as if by holding me they were able to block my brain's signals to move. I was finally able to whisper please stop, go away, leave me alone. The one standing off to my right seemed to sense my fear or understand me because he reached over and stroked my face and spoke in a sort of whispering raspy elderly man's voice saying it's fine, you are safe. After saying this, one by one the grey beings hopped off me and scampered over to where the one being was standing by my closet and each seemed to teleport in a quiet, quick flash, no light, while the one who spoke to me kept his hand on me stroking my head as if to reassure my safety but keep me paralyzed still. The one standing by the door who I assumed to be the lookout then went to the spot by my closet and it too vanished along with the one standing next to my closet. The one standing bedside said one last time rest, you're safe then patted me, sort of trotted over to my closet like the rest, looked back at me, nodded then vanished. I sort of passed out then woke back up in a rush with full function of my body in a cold sweat. I rushed over to my light switch turned on the lights and just sat there horrified at what had happened. I just sat there shaking my head, it had to be a dream I thought. I looked down at my arms and legs and was horrified. I could see faint red marks where the beings had been holding me. My room had this weird smell about it and there was a small seemingly bleached yellowish spot about the size of an M&M on my blue carpet where I saw the beings teleport from by my closet area. That spot had not been there before. To this day I still get a nervous feeling when I go to sleep and usually cover that area up with a blanket or something in hopes that these visitors don't come back. A part of me also sort of wishes they would come back in a less intrusive way so I could find out what they did to me and why.